Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wisely. Movie theaters are closed, but podcasts are open. It's Mike and Mike Go to the Movies, or podcast. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me, as always, is a man who asked that when I bring him out, uh, can I introduce him as someone who's only here because he was in the comic book? <laughs> Mike DiCrucio. Uh, how you doing today, Mike? I feel fine. I'm not sure great is the word now that you slammed me, but, you know, Okay. <laughs> Uh, what makes you feel better? That's a line from Josie and the Pussycats. That not, that's not just me saying <laughs> okay, <all laughs> that you're, right. that you're only you're like, here ah. because your comic book counterpart was also here. <laughs> yes, that's <what laughs> which. I by the way, if happening. you want if you want to read the Michael might go to the movies comic book, it's available wherever comics are sold, which right now is nowhere. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, how, how you doing, Mike? I mean, it's been uh, it, it, it has been two months since I've been to a movie theater for sure. And uh, when everything kind of started <laughs> shutting because uh, I, I remember the last day I went, I was at a movie theater was March 13th. Saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire at the Roxy Theater in Missoula, Montana, which is the indie theater near my house in Missoula, Montana. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I have not been to a theater since. And that's around the time that everything started shutting down, like all the bars and restaurants and stuff. And in Montana, things have been gradually reopened opening up we have a lot less coronavirus cases than you guys do in new york and so we we've kind of been seeing the results of that and so far things have been solid like we've had a lot of days where like hey no new cases have been added to the number and that kind of thing and who knows nice. how accurate that is because who knows how available testing is for a lot of people but it's encouraging at least uh so yeah. montana montana is in a decent space right now how are, th- how are things going with you mike and uh, things in new york uh i mean i think new york state is doing good uh upstate i think is slated to begin opening at the end of the week or, yeah. you know, like phase one of the, I don't know, whatever, something is going to start opening. I don't know who the hell yeah. knows. Um, I haven't looked a whole lot because downstate for sure is not, um, <laughs> we're, our, our cases are going down like the numbers and everything, but it's yeah. still, I think we just got below 200 deaths per day today. It was the first day or yesterday was the first yeah. day, uh, below 200 deaths, which is still a lot of people dying every day, Mike. I don't know if you're aware of that. Oh, I'm aware. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, back where from home uh furlough ended which is scary because uh i don't want to go back to work at all ever again basically <laughs> don't want to go into an office building with thousands of people being sitting you know sitting uh one cubicle over which is a very sure. small wall uh, <laughs> between other humans um so we'll see we'll see what happens but you know i haven't been outside or further than the curb since before st patrick's day so hold it up great he said with as a lie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm glad you're doing okay. Your your mental health seems stable. That's the important thing. Oh, but, yeah. It's pretty uh, fine. <laughs> uh, so all the theme songs you're going to hear this episode were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at kylespodcastthemes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us, respond to something we did in the show, you can email us over at Mike and Mike go to the movies at gmail.com. So what we've been doing uh, since movie theaters are closed and we can't go to the movies anymore uh, is we've been doing these kind of quarantine bonus episodes uh, where we've been doing just kind of like discussions, like stuff that we've been watching while at home, what TV shows, what movies or whatever various other media that we've been doing. Basically like a longer version of the discussion segment we would normally do 
on the show. And uh, recently we've tried to branch out from that a little bit. Last week we did the first uh, Mike Makes Mike Watch when I made you watch Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island uh, and you made <laughs> me watch The Descent and we got a lot of good feedback on that one. So we'll probably do some more of those in the future. Pretty That, that was a really fun episode, I think. And, uh, you know, yeah. basically my plan is just to make you keep watching Scooby-Doo movies. I mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say no at this point. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and then next week, we're going to do another new segment called Let's Rank, where we uh, kind of choose a different series or, you know, filmography or whatever, and just decide to rank the movies in that series. Uh, sometimes it, if there's too many, you know, it'll be like a top five or whatever. Um, but for next week, since uh, Star Wars Day was pretty recent, a week and a half ago or whatever, it'll be even <laughs> it'll older be than that. Weeks, <laughs> it'll be even older than that when the episode comes out. Uh, but, you know, Star like Star Wars Day was on the mind when I had the idea for it. Uh, so it still counts. But we're, we're yeah, going to be ranking. Finger on the pulse here. At exactly. Mike, you know? So next week, we're going to be doing our official ranking of all 11 Star Wars movies. And we're going to have Kyle Cullen, who, as we mentioned before, just our theme songs. Uh, he's going to be joining us for that episode. That should be a lot of fun because, you know, he's a huge Star Wars fan. And uh, we're going to I think we're going to get into it with some of our rankings. I'm really curious to see where these movies will be ranked between the three of us. Like we're each going to have our own individual top 11s basically. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see like what movies, cause I feel like there's a pretty solid consensus about what are the best star Wars movies, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the top five, I feel like are pretty solid. Like I, I can pretty much guarantee which movies are the top five for all of us. And then the bottom six, it's a little bit more up for debate. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be really interesting to do. And we're going to check that out uh, next week. But this week we're just doing some discussions, some free will and like, Hey, whatever we've been watching lately. So Mike, why don't we start with you? What do you got to discuss with us today? Uh, well, first up, I want to do a, uh, another community check-in. I've been rewatching community on Netflix, uh, since, okay. it, since it dropped and uh, I finished it. I did it. I made it through the whole nice. show. You um, finished community. Yes. Finished All community. Right. I think last time I was in season five or six, I don't really remember. I think uh, last time <laughs> we talked and actually, I think the last time we did an actual discussions episode, you were in like season three, I think I had just finished season three. And then last week, oh, right. I think last week, which we weren't supposed to talk about community, we ended up talking about it for 10 minutes anyway <laughs> because it's community and I'm always down to talk about it. Uh, yeah. But you you had mentioned you were like halfway through season six when we recorded it. And I think the next day you tweeted about you tweeted about finishing it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I finished it. And, and uh, as I've mentioned, uh, you know, probably what number quarantine special is this? Seven or eight? I believe uh, this will be seven. Yeah. yeah uh, seven times so far. Uh, I had never seen season six. Yeah. Man, what, a, what an emotional ride season six was for yeah. the community. You know, um, it's it definitely feels, you know, it had the, the it was on Yahoo screen. So it didn't have the like network restrictions i guess or restrictions yeah that's a better word yeah so you know some episodes are 28 minutes and 25 you know they get a little bit longer than like the tight 22 minutes and uh, they feel like a little you know directionless a little bit at some points those episodes that are longer you know having to be that tight you had a cut for commercial like you know there's the pacing that it lends itself to that a lot more especially when you had five seasons of that Uh, and then you get a little more freeform (laughs) it's a little more noticeable but it's still really good season six is good it's very different you know uh, uh, everyone's out of Greendale, basically, you know, nobody's students anymore. And and uh, Paget Brewster joins uh, Keith David. Great additions to the cast. They were so oh, yeah. much fun. Um, yeah, yeah, it was really good. And then the, the finale, uh, just like, man. Like the, the the last button on the finale, I was like, I watched it with my mom, and yeah. she like she just thought it was funny, and 
Like I was, I like needed a minute. Like yeah. when, when uh, Dan Harmon's doing the voiceover bit yes. at the end, then I was just like, no, <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect end for the show. I mean, it ends on like such a great note with, I like, I love the way the finale really hammers the point home. Like, and throughout the season, it kind of like starts making the point of like, Jeff will probably be the last guy left at Greendale out of this group. Uh, and yeah. the finale starts really hammering that home. Um, but it kind of like makes him okay with that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and it kind of, and it kind of just becomes a show about sort of the changing nature of friendships and how people have to grow and change and like move to different places and stuff like that. Like the people that you're hanging out with, you know, in the first few years of college may not necessarily be be the people you're hanging out with five, six years later. I love that about uh, community season six and about how it kind of like goes, dives really deep into that. Season five does that a little bit too, because they kind of start having to when like cast members start leaving the show. Uh, So it kind of like is forced to become something about that. And so the finale really captures that really well. Uh, And I love, you know, those final moments where it's like that the last shot you see of the actual group before that final button is uh, it's like Jeff and Britta and the Dean and Chang and Frankie, uh, you know, which is a very different group than you saw, you know, at the first episode of the first season. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, Britta's like kind of saying like, hey, this is the show like this is (laughs) like (laughs) like the show goes on, even though the show is over, you know, that kind of thing, which, uh, which I love. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, then there's a whole like super dark ending, uh, at the end of it where it's like a family playing the community board game. And, you know, season six has a lot of very dark ending tags too. Oh yeah. Uh, which is definitely, I think part of, you know, Dan Harmon had, had already started doing Rick and Morty at this point. So I think he was just in that headspace a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, Rick and Morty is a much darker show than community was. And so that very last like bit where it's like Dan Harmon doing the commercial voiceover thing. And he's just talking about like, you know, how the, the characters like grow and change over time. And like, you know, characters may hook up with no regard for your emotional investment and that kind of, or like these, like, you know, various <laughs> things that like kind of just summarize the show really quickly. And then it gets emotional and you kind of hear him choking up a little bit at the end. Uh, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, my my favorite very dark button uh, ending is the episode uh, when they're driving in Keith David's RV with the giant fist on the roof. Yeah, they're trying to deliver it. And it's the whole thing. Uh, and my parents like my parents would like drop in and out like I was if I was watching yeah. in the living room, they would just kind of watch it. Uh, sometimes and that episode like they lost it when Abed <laughs> keeps trying to force the three weeks earlier cut, uh, yes. flashback thing <laughs> great but then so then the, the the button on the end of that is the guy that they were trying to sell it to has the giant watch because <laughs> and he's just sad that he, th- he thinks his hands are too small and that's why his son died <laughs> like all this crazy <laughs> shit it's so fucking good uh, Dan Hart what a good guy you know and they just did um, a script reading thing on Zoom uh, yeah. I think I, I don't know where it's available, uh, but of the uh, the episode when Pierce's uh, will reading, uh, you know, that episode. Yes. From so they, five. Well, they haven't done the table reading yet, uh, but what they, oh, so they what haven't they did, done it yet. Okay. Yeah. On uh, this coming Monday, as of this recording, it's happening on May 18th. Um, but basically that was like what they did a couple days ago. was like a surprise thing of um, J- uh, Joel McHale and Ken Jong just started a podcast recently. Uh, called the darkest called the darkest timeline and they've been having like you know I haven't listened to the podcast yet I'm very excited to and they've been doing like visual components too so it's like kind of just a thing they're doing during quarantine other community cast members will Skype in once in a while so like there's an episode with Allison Brie and an episode with Gillian Jacobs and stuff and then this past week's episode was 
the entire cast of Community except for Chevy Chase because Chevy Chase basically had, like wants no involvement with Community. I think at this point he's uh, gone. He's basically gone. Uh, and so it's the entire cast and Dan Harmon uh, or, or the entire original cast because like Jonathan Banks isn't there and like you know right. pa- Paget Brewster and Keith David, John Oliver, they're not there either. But like the original group of Community plus Dean and Chang, uh, they're all there and talking and like so they kind of did this like surprise Zoom call reunion uh, this past week. Uh, and did you watch it uh, by any chance or did you? Uh, Okay. No, not it. yet. I didn't get around to it. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've not seen it yet either. Uh, cause I, cause I, I do want to start listening to the podcast, uh, because I, you know, I'm such a huge community fan and this seems like right up my alley where they can talk about it. Uh, and I'm like perpetually two or three months behind on all my podcasts. Uh, right. <laughs> except for this one, Mike, this podcast, people should be listening to right away. Uh, right now. Uh, I mean, you're quarantined. What else are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I haven't, I haven't listened to the zoom call yet, but yeah, that was kind of like a surprise thing they did. And you know, it's, it's a big deal that like Donald Glover is coming back for these two. Um, yeah. just, just because he, like they've done like community reunion panels and stuff in the past. And Donald Glover was always the holdout. Like nobody, I don't think even asked Chevy Chase to be a part of it, but like Donald Glover no. <laughs> was always like, like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm too busy. I'm like on tour or I'm filming star Wars or I'm making my own TV show. And so like, he's always got like a million things going on. Um, uh, and when he left community, it seemed like, all right, this is like a thing that he did. And, you know, he liked being on it. But now he's like off to be his own success or whatever. Like he's doing a million other right. things. Uh, and so the fact that he's coming back is very, very cool. And and there's talk now that like, hey, the community movie might be uh, might be getting underway. Might <laughs> some some traction might be happening. And we've talked about this where like, you know, with the renewed interest of the show because of Netflix grabbing it, more and more people are discovering it. Uh, and so who knows, maybe, uh, maybe the yeah. community movie could be happening. And if it does, now that Donald Glover is doing these reunions, Troy could even be in it. Who's there the is. Yeah, that, that would be great. I mean, I mean, the, the final episode even ends, uh, like after the Dan Harmon thing, it just ends with hashtag end a movie yes. uh, on screen and then fade out. And I was like, man, this could be the thing. <laughs> Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, I would love to see the movie just because it's the movie that we've been talking about for years. But the show ends so perfectly that, like, if it, if there was never a movie, I'd be OK with it. Like, it, it ends so oh, well. Yeah. Like, that finale is great. And, like, you know, all those ideas about, like, what a potential season seven of the show could be and that kind of thing. They're right. hilarious. And, you know, all that stuff. It's really great. Also, there's like a quick Justin Roiland cameo in that uh, in, yep. in that one, too, where he's playing Ice Cube Head. <laughs> yep. like, like, I eat cell phones. Just looking at All right, that includes all notes and business as it pertains to the files. How you guys doing? How you doing, girl? I'm cool. It's all good. Annie, you're looking fine. Thank you. Hey, what about me? Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm Ice Cube Head. I've got an ice cube for a head. I also eat cell phones, so you better be careful with those cell phones around me because they taste like prime rib where I'm from. Oh, boy. Imagine the times we'll all get in together, especially when I use my powers to help solve all your problems. Pachoo, 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 pachoo. Oh, oh, pachoo. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, it's getting crazy in here. It's great. Uh, like Seth Green is in there for some reason and all this stuff. There's just, you know, there's a lot of like really great stuff in that finale and it ends the story so well. Uh, but if they made a movie, I'm going to watch it and I'll be very excited about it, too. Uh, so there's that. Yeah. Even if it's like the psych movie, quote unquote, where it's just a 
extended episode. Like, just make an hour-long community special. Call it the community <laughs> movie. I'd be very satisfied. Yeah, which, I mean, and we've been seeing, I mean, you know, with the community reunions, we also seen, like, the Office cast got together for, like, a Zoom call or whatever the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. Parks and Rec did a whole new kind of reunion special, like an actual new episode of the show, yeah. sort of. Like, it was a new episode of the show, but it was, like, kind of just done for, like, coronavirus relief efforts and stuff. Uh, did you watch the Parks and Rec special, by the way? Because uh, you watched Parks and Rec, too, back in the day, right? Yeah, I think that's another show I never finished. Um, you never finished No, Parks? I did not watch... No, okay. I didn't watch uh, the special either. The new one. Okay. Well, the special was very good. Uh, I re- I really enjoyed it. It's not like the funniest episode the show ever did because it's like you know the cast is like all doing it from their homes. Uh, and right. Stuff. Uh, but that's the whole plot of the special is it's about you know Leslie Nope trying to reconnect with her friends through the coronavirus times and stuff. And so it's it's actually it's pretty good and it's mostly like callbacks to the old show and stuff. But you know it it like hit exactly the the right emotional note I needed it to hit in my heart. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and it's uh, I, I really enjoyed the Parks and Rec uh, kind of quarantine reunion special and community. I mean, I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll do something like that uh, where it's like a, like I think when they actually do the movie, it'll be an actual movie um, probably, probably on Netflix and who knows, maybe the Russo brothers could direct it. Uh, Cause that would, <laughs> would that be great if they got Don Glover back and they were like, Hey, the Russos, you're coming off of Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Would you like to come back to community and make a movie I for love Netflix? the paintball episode in the Yahoo season in season six. They do the, the, the cap soldier. in the elevator yeah. fight. Oh my God. I was, cr- I was like the yeah. best. Like, it's so good. I remember in season five, um, the Russo brothers came back to do like an episode or two. Uh, and at that point they had already made winter soldier, uh, which right. was their, which was their first Marvel movie. Uh, and I remember like the episode that Troy leaves, which is the, the, the floor is lava episode. Uh, that was a Russo. Mm-hmm. That was a one, one of the Russo brothers directed that one. And they, and they posted like some behind the scene photos of the stunt team from Captain America, winter soldier working on <laughs> the community <laughs> floor is lava episode. <laughs> incredible <laughs> which is pretty great uh so yeah so and that's one of the weird things like community was such a like a beloved show when it was on the air but one that was like beloved by a very small cult of people that like their passion kept the show alive basically for a long yeah. time and also the fact that NBC had nothing else to replace it with that really helped uh for a while <laughs> Um, but it's weird how much that show has had like an impact on other things. Like the Russo brothers uh, got hired on the Marvel movies because of the paintball episodes and community that they directed. <laughs> you Insane. Know, and that kind of thing. Uh, it's just, it's kind of nuts. And, you know, Alison Brie got to kind of discover, like Alison Brie had like her biggest showcase on there. I mean, she was on Mad Men also, but she was on there and then right. she got glow and stuff like that, which was also a big show. And, you know, all these different things that kind of just came from community, even though community was like a show that like very few people cared about at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's community season six. I'm very glad that you watched it, Mike, and finally got through. The show. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a nice emotional moment, you know, to, in my mental state, like we talked about, uh, it was great, you know, there we go. And if you were sick of talking, of us spending 20 minutes on community, every episode, that's it. That's uh, Mike finished watching it. So we can stop talking about it. <laughs> You're welcome. I did it yeah. for you, dear audience. There you go. Unless I like want to talk about the, uh, the zoom call where they do a tailor to the old episode, who knows what will happen, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, what? you know what we should spend 20 minutes on Mike, another up to date TV series, the Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you my quick uh, Sopranos update. Season two. Uh, I, I think I watched one episode since the last time we talked about it. Uh, I, I'm on. I just watched season two, episode seven, uh, which was very oh, good. Burning through it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not a binge watch guy, man. I, I don't watch it. I don't fair. binge watch a ton of shows. I mean, if I do, it's easier for like comedy shows. Uh, but even then, like, you know, more than like three episodes at a time. And I'm like, I'm good. Like I, I, yeah. I watched three episodes. I can move on to something. I like a little variety in my life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but the Sopranos season two, 
still excellent. I think the the, one, the episode that I just watched actually may be my favorite episode of the show so far, uh, which is where Christopher uh, ends up meeting John Favreau, who's playing himself, uh, who's like in town, uh, <laughs> like directing a mafia movie uh, starring Janine Garofalo. And <laughs> and, what? you know, and it's really great. And just the way John Favreau is kind of lampooning himself, because this is like, you know, 2001 or whatever. So this is like, just like kind of John Favreau post swingers. Uh, right. <laughs> basically like, like not like Iron Man's just like, you know, a, a dot in his eye at this point. Like he's not even <laughs> thinking about Iron Man uh, or all the Disney movies. And I was watching this and I was like, man, I kind of wish this John Favreau was back. <laughs> like I kind of <laughs> wish he would ditch Disney, ditch those live action remakes and just go like do like these cool, like mafia movies. Like he's making with Sopranos. That'd be, that would be great. Uh, of course, he's That'd not going to do that. He's not going to do that because he's being paid, you know, probably tens of millions of dollars or whatever, but still, you know, he, he's, he's like, it was, a, it was a really fun episode to see, uh, to see that side of John Favreau again, which I hadn't seen in a very, very long time, like since the nineties swingers so that was really cool uh and then i also what did i, I was gonna say something else oh I, I was also watching um the uh, disney plus uh gallery series uh where they're doing like a half hour documentary about the mandalorian every week and it's pretty cool it's a, it's a cool like making of yeah. documentary it's like john favreau uh doing these like kind of roundtable discussions with the people who worked on the show so the first episode is about the directors of the sh- uh, who made the episodes uh and so it's like takeaway tt uh bryce dallas howard dave filoni uh deborah chow and rick famiua uh, and they're just all kind of talking about their process and how it all worked for them and like their individual episodes and stuff. So that was a cool like kind of breakdown of the show. And then the second episode I thought was less successful, but it was still, you know, interesting, which was just about the legacy of Star Wars and like, hey, we all love Star Wars, don't we? Um, <laughs> basically. Oh, OK. Uh, which like, yeah, like, hey, I get it. I like Star Wars, too, but I don't need to watch like them talking about how, how great Star Wars is for 30 <laughs> minutes. I'd like to actually talk about like, hey, the making of the show. Uh, but uh, the like I've looked at some of the titles of like future episodes episodes and like one of them is about like the green screen technology that they developed for the show which is like i don't know if you've seen any of the behind the scene footage of that but that's like really wild uh how they're able to do some of that stuff uh so i'm I'm really excited to dig into that stuff so they're putting out that like once a week for the next few weeks uh but really the show i wanted to talk about mike was a west world season three uh which just finished season uh i think a week ago at this point and uh Mm -hmm. man well i I don't know <laughs> I don't know about this one, man. I mean, I, I think I talked about it a little bit when it first started this season, uh, yeah. like the first two episodes. And I was like, I think I'm pretty in for like this season of Westworld. I was like, cause this season is so radically different than what the show has been for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, there was the original season of Westworld, which you watched. And, uh, we actually talked, yes. we did like a whole review of the first season of Westworld back in the day, you know, like after the finale aired, we did like a whole, cause I yeah. think there was, there was like no movie coming out that week or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was so going to say, it's back when we were starved for content. So exactly. we were like, let's do a whole episode on that. <laughs> Not like now where movies are coming out all the time. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's no rules. Exactly. Danarchy, like Westworld. Yeah. But Westworld season three is so radically different because those first two seasons, they take place in Westworld. This one <laughs> does not. Uh, there's like a glimpse of Westworld in the finale, but otherwise there's like not like there's no connection to the theme park from the first two seasons. I mean, there was a little bit of like the second episode has a little bit of Maeve or like a lot of it is structured around Maeve in like a simulation, which is places her in like Nazi occupied France. And so she's like attacking Nazis and stuff. I I think I could say the show has pretty much gone off the rails and I think it's gone (laughs) off the rails in a mostly entertaining way. Uh, Cause here's the thing. Westworld season two. I did not like, I thought season two was real bad, like just completely confusing on every level. I had no idea what was going on at any given time during season two. Now I think I can pretty confidently say I basically knew what was happening throughout Westworld season three. 
I just didn't know why anything was happening in Westworld season three. Uh, like there was no, like it didn't really feel like it was interested in telling a story as much. It was just, as it was just like, let's just like have characters like kind of spout off existentialist, you know, pontification for a little bit, uh, you know, for five minutes and then we'll move on to the next thing, which Westworld has always done, but it felt like it really like ramped yeah. that up a lot this season. Uh, and it's just such a different show than it used to be that like, you know, it used to be like, Hey, there's cowboys and robots. This is fun. Uh, and now it's like a very grim show. Uh, but the action is really great. Like it's like, I think if it just lost all of like the pretentiousness of it all and like just decided, mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to be a dumb sci-fi action show. Like that'd be great. Like if they could just own the fact that they're like a dumb <laughs> sci-fi action show, because the action's really fun and like it gets wild. And like there's one scene in one of the episodes where Tessa Thompson gets like her own John wick moment. And she's, and she's just like mowing down people left and right. And a giant robot comes out and it looks like kind of like a bigger version of ed 209 from RoboCop. Uh, but it's like red <laughs> and like, fuck? it's breaking through a building and it's crazy. It's wild. And like, you know, the finale features like a big like fight between Dolores and Maeve and Maeve has a katana and she's like, you know, all, all this shit is going on. But like, none of it makes sense. Like, none, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, n- n- like none of it like actually like kind of coheres to a narrative in mm. my mind. Uh, and, you know, certain characters that were in the first two seasons do reappear in this season. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, I think this guy is still alive but maybe he's dead. Like this show is really bad at like (laughs) making me sure that a character is dead because it can show you someone dying. And then like the next episode, they'll be back because they're robots. (laughs) And and that's what happens. Yeah. So uh, it's all kind of messed up, but I think I liked it more than season two of the show, (laughs) which was real bad. And the show still is like, I think one of the best produced shows on TV, like it looks and sounds awesome like it looks you know it's probably like it might be the best looking show on television right now uh i just wish it made sense is is basically (laughs) is basically all i'd say Uh, also i think yeah i think it's in the second episode there's a a really funny i think a very funny cameo um from uh, david benioff and db weiss uh who are (laughs) who are playing like technicians in the westworld lab and they're creating a giant dragon robot uh with oh my god and there's like a little bit of the game of thrones score that like plays in the background and i think the implication is that game of thrones was in a westworld theme park the entire time uh which i kind of which i think is very funny (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm into it because yeah, I remember at the the fin- the finale of season one, like uh, you know, we run past like Samurai World and oh, yeah. uh, Night World, and like we see all the other theme parks potentially. Sure, uh, and, I believe uh, one of them is a fantasy thing. Yeah, and and season two goes into that a little bit too. Like you see Samurai World in season two and stuff like that, uh, and then this one shows you a little bit of like Nazi occupied France world, I guess, and like, and fantasy well, world with the dragon and stuff. Like there's hints of all that stuff, and I think season one is still easily the strongest season of the show because it mostly makes sense. And, <laughs> and, and even that's you know, a stretch. Even that is a little bit of a stretch, but like the way it comes together is pretty satisfying at the end. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the episodes on their own individually are generally stronger than the episodes that are in season two and three. Also, Aaron Paul is in the season of the show, uh, which, uh, you know, he's, you know, I think pretty good, but kind of, I think maybe miscast. Like he just feels like, like he's playing, I feel like he's playing it as if he's Jesse, like Jesse Pinkman. Um, but mm. like the show is like a lot drearier than that. And so it's not, it's, it's like Jesse Pinkman. If like the events of El Camino had gone really South for him. <laughs> You know, <laughs> does, uh, does he say bitch a lot? Uh, I don't believe he says bitch at all uh, throughout the show. That's uh, good. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, Vincent Cassell is also in the season two as kind of like the bad Ooh. guy. Uh, so and he's fun. He's like chewing the scenery and stuff. But uh, yeah, overall, Westworld season three, sometimes but sometimes a bit of a slog. Sometimes it's like a really fun, dumb action show. Uh, and it's really like there's no in between between those two things because nothing makes sense at all uh, throughout, the, <laughs> throughout the show. 
Uh, but yeah, sometimes it'd be like that. Sometimes it'd be like that, Mike. But that's Westworld season three. What else you've been watching, Mike? Uh, I watched uh, the new season, season four of The Last Kingdom, which is on Netflix. All right. Um, and I've talked about this before a couple times, uh, I guess, when the last three seasons came out. <laughs> um, uh, and this is a, a historical fiction drama thing set in England in 870 something like the Vikings and the Saxons and all that stuff. Yeah. And season four was actually really good. It felt a bit more like a uh, return to form. Seasons one and two kind of scratched that Game of Thrones itch a little bit. I mean, it's not it's not as polished. Seasons one and two were BBC produced. Uh, and then Netflix picked it up. I guess BBC canceled it or whatever. Uh, so this is a Netflix original series season yeah. now. So it, it kind of scratched that a little bit. It doesn't have quite the intrigue. Um, you know, that was kind of the early seasons of Game of Thrones. That's what it was all about. Right. Uh, and this has has a little bit of that. And it's set in that kind of early European history setting that kind of Game of Thrones is set in. Um, yeah. And season, season three was really weird because that, uh, you know, it's this Last Kingdom is set in the real world and uh, there's obviously no magic, but to these people, there's, you know, paganism and, and you know, uh, Christianity is like a very, you know, it's uh, faith and religion and superstition is very important. So season three was like all about this witch doctor. Okay. But it was so strange because like there's no magic in the real world. Like, you know, like, you know, it's like just a really weird thing to hinge the entire plot of that. That on. you know of Mike. <laughs> That I know of. Yes, true. Um, but then season four kind of goes back to more being about like the politics and less about that stuff uh, okay. and action and violence and stuff like that. And, and uh, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it's 10 episodes. They're an hour long each. So I watched, you know, like a Friday through Monday kind of thing. Watched two, three episodes a day. Yeah. Recommended if you if you were maybe turned off a little bit, if you were watching it and season three, like felt kind of weird uh, to you. The same it did for me. I would say yeah. definitely go back to season four. And I did rewatch uh, the first two or three episodes of season one just to like see like well man i remember because there's some stuff that comes up yeah uh at the end of season four where i was like i don't remember what this is going on so i went back and watched it and i was like oh man maybe i'll rewatch this again because it's really good um so definitely recommend those at least check out that first season if you haven't watched it see what you think but season four thumbs up nice that's the last kingdom season four it's on netflix now uh i also watched a new Netflix kind of series, I guess it's a comedy, comedy special slash several comedy specials. uh, And that is the new comedy special of Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Is there anything that you might either be excited about or dreading in some kind of way? Getting married. Getting married. Can you talk a little bit about the wedding itself? The group of friends that are in the wedding all met each other at music festivals. How long has this pod of pals been going on? 2015. 2015, so barely, barely. Before we get to those vows, I must ask, does anybody have anything mean to say? I got a, I got a bow tie and a tie. If I was your best man, I'd tell you you look stupid. I don't even know you! This is my daughter's special day. Rock and rock and roll, 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 rock and rock and roll. That's my brother. Yay! Come on, give it up. Give it up. Come on, give it up. Come on. You're supposed to be up there, dude. Oh, shit. Daddy, what did you say? Uh, Jason the alien. Oh my god! You're the father! I'm their father! Give the boy back! I guess I'm their mom then. This character makes me nervous. I'm worried about it being too real. Uh, and this is 
Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley, Ben Schwartz, who played John Ralphie on Parks and Rec. He was also the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in the new movie. Uh, <laughs> they are two of the best improv comedians like of their generation. They're in comedy bang bang all the time. And they're always great. Like I love listening to like I love listening to those episodes, Middleditch and Schwartz. They're always really funny. Uh, and they went on tour together last year uh, as Middleditch and Schwartz, uh, where they kind of just do like long form improv comedy shows for people. Uh, and this is the first time Netflix has like delved into improv comedy. They've done a lot of stand up specials, like a lot, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of stand up specials, like <laughs> more stand up specials than anyone could ever hope to watch. Um, but this is the first time they've really done just like, hey, let's do an improv show. <laughs> And and <laughs> so, yeah, so Middle and Schwartz went on tour and they recorded three shows and posted them on Netflix. Uh, and this these are those shows. And this is really funny stuff. <laughs> I am like, I, like I'm, I'm already in the bag for Middle and Schwartz. Like, I, I really I really wish I could have gone to see them on tour. Uh, like when they were talking about it in Comedy Bang Bang, I was like, man, I wish I could go see this, but it's not going to play like anywhere near me. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, a, as of now, like who knows when they'll be able to go. Like they've talked about wanting to do like, another round of these kind of shows uh so hopefully when the pandemic ends they can kind of finally get back to doing that uh but middle edition schwartz uh just so so funny i think the first one is probably my favorite uh like i'll probably go the first one third one second one um but they're all really great and they all go to like really insane places and just the way these guys are able to like build a story out of nothing essentially like they like each special starts with them talking to an audience member for like five, 10 minutes, uh, just about like a situation going on in their lives or whatever. Uh, so they'll say like, Hey, I want to hear about something. And somebody will say like job interview. And they'll be like, okay, I heard job interview. And they kind of talk to the guy about like, you know, what his situation is, like some details about his life and like about the job interview that he's going for and stuff. And then they create like an entire, like 45 minute special, uh, like just out of that. Uh, and like they start building characters who have like defining traits and characteristics and things like that. And like they, then they're building off of each other too, because like one person will add something and then they'll switch characters at different points in the show and stuff like that. It's like insane how they're able to keep track of all of it. And sometimes they're not. And they like break character and like try to figure <laughs> it out, like where this is all going, but it's all very funny. And uh, so yeah, it's middle edition Schwartz. It's on Netflix now. And uh, it's pretty easy to watch too. Like there's three, specials uh they're all kind of grouped together each one's like 50 minutes long uh so you know not super long like not super huge time commitment definitely worth checking out so yeah middle edition schwartz real good yeah i almost uh, definitely almost clicked on that the other day on netflix um <laughs> and i just did, didn't pull the trigger i don't know why uh but i i guess i'll i'll have to yeah you should check it out uh all right what else you've been watching mike uh, I watched uh, another Netflix, Netflix sponsor us, uh, Netflix special or show <laughs> or movie. Sorry. Whoa. That's all three things. Uh, Netflix original movie uh, called Extraction, uh, which came out a couple of weeks ago, I think, or I don't yes. know. Time is a human construct. It came out recently. <laughs> um, and uh, this stars Chris Hemsworth and is directed by uh, Sam Hargrave, who it was really funny. My mom was like, oh, let's watch this movie. It's like the guys that made the Avengers movies. And I was like, what? The Roosters have a fucking like, excuse me. Yeah. Um, so we put it on and it comes like direct. I was like, no, this isn't them. Uh, but so I looked it up. He was the stunt coordinator for Winter Soldier, which is funny that you mentioned that with the uh, community right. thing uh, um, and the Avengers movies. And I guess he's there. He's like the Russo's stunt coordinator. He also did Atomic Blonde. OK, uh, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I think the Russo's um, produced yeah, this th- movie, though. I think they're like the Russo's were involved yes. as producers for Extraction. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, and Joe Russo wrote the screenplay or story okay. by he's cool. involved in something. So they were involved. Uh, with Joe Russo. Least, yeah. Yeah. And this is a story about Tyler Rake, which is. The fucking stupidest, <laughs> best, worst action hero name. Uh, his name is a tool, Mike. I don't know if you get that. I don't know if you get it. Oh, I got um, it. <laughs> oh, you got it. Okay, cool. Um, 
Uh, this is about a, a uh, he's like a mercenary guy, Tyler Rake, and, and uh, this Indian gangster's son. He's like a drug dealer, lord, drug lord guy in prison, and his rival uh, kidnaps his son and is trying to ransom him. Uh, and he pays these mercenaries, you know, this team to go in and extract his son to rescue him and yeah. double cross and twisty turny uh, action stuff. And it's fine. Like, it's, I mean, well, it's pretty cool. Like, the action is really cool. You can tell, like, it's got that kind of like John Wick feel of like, yeah, some stunt dudes made this. Because um, <laughs> the fight choreography is really cool. There's some really cool uh, camera stuff that kind of gets annoying um, a little bit. But the plot, it's two hours. This, if this movie, we need a chopping ball cut, and this movie would be fucking a firecracker, man. It would be yeah. so much fun. But it's we spend so much time sitting around talking about our feelings, and we don't need that. <laughs> We're not here for that shit. We're here for you to kill people. Um, right. And that's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, it, there's one extended sequence that is all edited to be a uh, one-take kind of deal. And, and But it's not, like, smooth. So, like, it kind of gets annoying, <laughs> um, <Okay>. you know? <laughs> Like there's some parts like there's this huge action scene and it, and it starts, you know, you, you can feel the moment when like, uh, you know, somebody's running like a handheld camera behind Chris, uh, Chris Hems, Chris, he- what Chris Hemsworth. Yep. I want to say Chris Evans. Uh, <laughs> and he jumps in a car and takes off and you can feel like what, like you can tell like, oh, he passed it to somebody in a go-kart or some shit. He's tr- driving behind the car and like, that's all really cool and fluid. Um, but then like the, where they have to put the cuts in, you can tell like, right. Why is there a close up of a car door? Like that's not natural. <laughs> like, you know, like it's not that good. <laughs> um, uh, but it's, it's pretty cool. Like, you know, I mean, overall it's fine. It's sort of got like a raid gun foo thing a little bit going on. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kill two hours on a Saturday afternoon watching Chris Hemsworth murder a million people. Uh, that's fun. You know, it's, blo- it's very bloody and gory though. Okay. Uh, it's maybe not gory, but it's very violent. So I guess be warned if you watch it with your parents, you know, gotcha. <laughs> like I did. Okay. Yeah. That was kind of the sense I'd gotten from it. That's like, that's like basically fine. Some cool action stuff. But like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I don't want to like devote. Like, I feel like it's one of those things where I'll put on in the, the background one day. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, be yeah. like while I'm like, like maybe like it's a phone watch movie where it's like, you know, like which Westworld yeah. season three kind of became for me almost a little bit by the end where it's like, this is my favorite show to watch while I'm scrolling through Twitter. Like, like Absolutely. Yes. You know. I got to send some emails. Let me put on extraction. Like exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so that's extractions on Netflix now. And I did want to check that out. Uh, but now I want to talk about the, uh, my favorite movie of the bunch uh, that I watched today and probably better than all of Mike's movies too. Just throwing it out there. This movie's great. Probably. Uh, and that is 2001's Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> Hello, I'm Eugene Levy. And yes, I'm an actor. No, I said cappuccino. I'm here to talk to you about something very important. No, it's not about me or my career. I'm here to talk about subliminal messages in rock and roll music, or as it's simply known in some cultures, rock music. You see, for years, the government has been wisely coercing teenagers to buy products they normally wouldn't want just to get their money. Fact, kids don't have bills to pay. Fact, they don't pay taxes, but they do babysit and hold minimum wage jobs that earn them wads of cash as thick as, well, my body of work. But these kids today aren't dumb. They're not going to buy just anything. That's why the government has been planting small subliminal advertising suggestions in today's rock music. The results? 
We can now get these kids to buy just about anything. We can have them chasing a new trend every week. And that is good for the economy. And what's good for the economy is good for the country. So God bless the United States of America, the most ass-kicking country in the world. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, this movie's awesome. Like, I don't know if you've seen Have you seen this uh, Josie and the Pussycats movie with uh, Rachel Lee Cook, Rosario Dawson, and Tara Reid? I probably did, but I do not remember it. Okay. Like, I probably saw it in that, like, oh, cool kid, like, you know. I mean, she has one, like, I probably, you know, around then. Yeah. Uh, but I don't remember. Okay, well, this is a movie that's um got destroyed when it was released. Like, nobody, like, you know, got a lot of bad reviews and stuff. Like, critics hated it and stuff. I think Roger Eber gave, like, a one and a half uh, or something like that. And wow. it got, you know, taken down for, you know, just not being that funny or, you know, having too much product placement or that kind of thing. Uh, but the cult around this movie has grown a lot over the past 20 years uh, or so, or a little less than 20 years, 19 years uh, since the movie came out, which is crazy. Uh, and, you know, so I, I've been hearing more about it, like kind of just inklings about it because I, I don't run in a ton of circles that talk about the movie that much, I guess. Uh, but then recently, Adam Schlesinger, who was the uh, the bassist for Fountains of Wayne, uh, he actually did the soundtrack for this movie. He produced all the songs uh, and also wrote the song for That Thing You Do, which I talked about on this episode on this podcast a while back. Uh, yeah. uh, he passed away due to coronavirus uh, a few weeks ago, I think back in March. Uh, and so That Thing You Do and Josie and the Pussycats, they both kind of kept coming up in my Twitter feed being like, hey, these are really great movies. Uh, and then I'm also catching up on the uh, the Blank Check podcast, which is a great podcast. Everybody should check it out. Uh, it's only kind of similar to our actors podcast, but they do directors. <laughs> uh, um, so they get through. Whoops. So they so they get through series of directors a lot faster because directors make less movies than actors. Uh, mm, which, you know, hindsight 2020. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, but the Blank Check podcast, like every once in a while, they'll finish a miniseries and they'll do like a bonus episode. And uh, for a bonus episode, they had like their producer come on to talk about Josie and the Pussycats. And this was back in like 2018. Wow. So it's a while back that they did this episode. Um, but again, I'm kind of just catching up through the podcast. Uh, for the first time. And so I listened to that episode and then I was like, hey, this sounds like a really good movie, actually. Uh, and then the movie showed up on HBO Go. Like it arrived in May. And I was like, well, the fate, the stars have aligned. I have to watch Josie and the Pussy right. now. <laughs> uh, and I did. And this movie kicks ass. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very funny. A wow. very uh, sharp satire of the music industry. Uh, basically, the plot of the movie is that Josie and the Pussycats uh, kind of get discovered uh, by this major label and they, you know, get sucked into the, all the fame and fortune and stuff. Uh, and then they discover that this major label is putting in subliminal advertising and messages into the music uh, of all their favorite rock artists and stuff. Like everybody since like, you know, Elvis Presley onward. And it's like forcing teenagers into like consumerism and stuff. It's like basically like a teenage version of they live uh, wow. and, and it's pretty nuts and like it's a really sharp and honestly like a pretty cynical view of the entire music industry and the government and stuff and like because they're working with the government to make this happen uh, and stuff to, <laughs> just like to fuel the economy to get teenagers to buy things uh, it's really sharp in that respect and also like the trio of Rachel Lee Cook who's great in the movie Rosario Dawson and Tara Reid they're all very funny together this might be Tara Reid's best performance I know it's not saying that much uh, but like you know it's, it's, it's basically like between this and Big Lebowski and I think it's this like yeah. she's really great in the movie wow. uh, and all the songs kick ass. I mean, the soundtrack is fantastic. <laughs> uh, like, you know, I, I was watching it with my girlfriend and when it ended, we were, she was like, like, why do songs in movies like always sound better than like actual songs in real life? <laughs> why <laughs> and, do fake uh, music? Yeah, exactly. Why does this fake music sound better than the real music I listen to? And I, and I was like, I don't like that because I Josie and the Pussycats. What can I tell you? They're great. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's a very meta movie, too. There's a lot of jokes about how they were based on a comic book and that kind of thing, or like they come from the Archie comics and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's just it's very 
funny, very sharp movie that, uh, you know, kind of flew under the radar back in 2001, but has seen a resurgence in recent years. And I just watched it for the first time uh, this past week. And uh, yeah, it's great. People should watch it. Josie and the Pussycats holds up. Wow. Now, yeah. does that mean next week uh, you're going to make me watch the Scooby-Doo crossover with Josie and the Pussycats? <laughs> It's actually not the worst idea. I'm going to put that in the back pocket. <laughs> uh, although I do know the, the new movie Scoob, uh, which is coming out, I think, this Friday, uh, like on video on demand platforms and stuff because its theatrical release was canceled. Uh, I believe the new movie Scoob features other Hanna-Barbera cartoons in it. Wow. Like, I think, like, I think the bad guy of the movie is Dick Dastardly and Muttley uh, from Wacky Races. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> Yes, uh, that's incredible. Yeah, so uh, the, that suddenly turned from a movie that like I didn't care about that much to something that I feel like I kind of want to see. <laughs> uh, so who knows? Maybe Josie and the Pussycats will make a cameo. The rights to that are probably tied up a little bit with Archie Comics and stuff. So who knows uh, if they mm-hmm. if they can actually get those ones in there? But if they put like Jabberjaw in that movie, man, I am fucking in. This <laughs> big Jabberjaw kid, man. <laughs> Love, I, it was Scooby Doo with the shark. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, all all the Hanna Barbera cartoons were Scooby Doo with a different animal, basically, <laughs> or like a different inanimate object. Remember, there was also there was oh, Speed yeah. Buggy. There was Speed Buggy also, which was also about a group of teens solving mysteries, but with a talking car. <laughs> <laughs> so very cheap animation wise. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Josie and the Pussycats also a Scooby Doo knockoff because it was about just a band solving mysteries. But I think that was just it. There wasn't any like additional animal friend. Actually, you know what? Oh, uh, okay. I think one of them might have had like a talking parrot or something. I don't know. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> been a while since I've since I've watched Josie and the Pussycats the cartoon, but the movie very very good. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we cleared that up. For yeah. All right. What else have you been watching, Mike? Um, I watched uh, a documentary called uh, Hearts of Darkness, which uh, came out in 1991, and uh, this is a uh, behind the scenes documentary about uh, Francis Ford Coppola and the making of Apocalypse Now uh, that was compiled or. Uh, I don't know how you say it, but uh, his wife uh, was tasked, uh, Eleanor Coppola, was tasked with making the documentary, filming documentary footage while they were making the movie. And, uh, you know, 20 years later or whatever, she released this documentary. And I watched this because there's an episode of Community in which, uh, I think it's season five? Uh, season four? Season, season, season three. This is season three. Season it's three? Uh, oh, advanced, wow. I believe it's called Advanced Documentary, or no, Documentary Filmmaking Redux. Uh, which is like a yeah. kind of apocalypse now in joke. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's like a documentary episode of the show, which they would do once in a while um, where like Abed's filming a documentary and it's about the Dean filming a TV commercial for the school uh, and slowly right. going insane over the process of it. And it's like a parody of this movie, hearts of darkness. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a running bit in the episode where um, people will be like, Abed, why are you filming this? And he's like, well, did you ever see hearts of darkness? It's way better than apocalypse now. <laughs> and I was like, ah, fuck it. I want to watch it. Uh, it's available to rent on Amazon. It's like $4 or whatever. And, uh, goddamn, yo, Francis Farkovla is crazy, turns out. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is really fascinating to me. Uh, you know, just the, the chronicle of how this movie shoot turned into a 236 day or whatever it was movie yeah. shoot in the Philippine jungle. I love at the beginning, they're talking about, uh, you know, and George Lucas is involved and like, you know, talking about all these people about how they first had the idea. They wrote the script and, uh, they were going to go to Vietnam, like during the war with yeah. 16 millimeter cameras and just film this little like guerrilla style movie which makes <laughs> Tropic Thunder make a lot more sense now that I know that um, which is hilarious Yes, uh, and then they realized the studio was like no you're probably all gonna die 
um, <laughs> and made them not go. And then, you know, <laughs> after the war ended, right. uh, they made this Apocalypse Now, which, have you seen this documentary? Have you seen the Hearts yeah. of Darkness? I have not seen Hearts of Darkness. I've watched Apocalypse Now a couple of times. I actually just watched the, the 4K transfer of Apocalypse Now that they just did recently yeah. um, at the Roxy Theater. This was back in like August, which the Roxy Theater, the indie, indie theater near my house in Missoula, Montana. But they, <laughs> they screened Apocalypse Now, like this new final cut version. So that it's like mm-hmm. another do- director's cut of the movie in like a 4K scan. And the movie, I mean, Apocalypse Now still blows my mind. Like it's an incredible movie. And I got to see it in a theater for the first time, which was even better. Um, but yeah, but nice. I've never seen Hearts of Darkness. I've always wanted to. I've heard it's great, uh, specifically oh, from man. that community episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely should. I wonder if it's included in that 4K version because I know that's. Like, I know there was also like the complete dossier edition, which was a couple yeah. of years, you know, a while ago DVD that had everything. Uh, so I wonder if this is included in any of those uh, as a bonus feature. Man, it's wild how they just like you know it's the the peak of Artur 70s director. Yeah. You know, there's no rules. Go do whatever you want. Unlimited money because uh, Coppola had just made Godfather one and two. So he was right. now uh, like independently wealthy. He could do whatever he wanted. Studios aren't going to tell him anything. Uh, and he was there for 200 something days. Uh, yeah. Just lost like insane in the jungle. And uh, it's crazy. It's insane. And and um, Mar- uh, Martin Sheen like had a heart attack and like almost died and was yeah. gone for eight weeks. Sure. I had no idea. Like I had I had heard the the uh, stuff about him being dr- actually drunk. Uh, when they filmed that scene of him in the hotel room right. and like they have the behind the scenes like footage of them filming that scene and it's fucking wild like insane <laughs> um, yeah so definitely if you're at all interested in filmmaking and how that can go completely wrong um, yep. definitely check this out and and uh, if you're in, you know into Apocalypse Now it makes a lot of sense why there's you know 19 versions of this movie or whatever because they were just like I don't know like let's go out in the jungle and film some stuff <laughs> just like <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yes. Um, and, I, and I love that George uh, Lucas great. was involved with it too. Like early on, like he was going to make this movie. Yeah. Like he was set to make it. And then, you know, it kind of didn't come together right away. And then he's like, okay, I can't do this. I guess I'll go make star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's basically what he did. Uh, like star Wars exists because uh, George Lucas couldn't make apocalypse now. Uh, and that's part of the, like, you know, if you watch the original star Wars, there's a lot of like, you know, like his feelings about the Vietnam war are in that movie. Uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a lot of like anti-Vietnam sentiment um, within the original Star Wars movie. And that's partially because he was in such that headspace for Apocalypse now that he was about to make it and then just didn't in the last minute. Yeah, yeah. And he even kind of, he doesn't talk so much about that, like the anti-Vietnam stuff in Star Wars, but he talks sure. about being like, yeah, I was the guy that was going to have to go with the 16 millimeter yeah. car- uh, camera. Coppola was like, yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and luckily the studio was like, no, um, yeah. otherwise they might have all died. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. It's nuts. Uh, so, yeah, that's Hearts of Darkness. Uh, and, yeah, it's available, I guess, to rent on Amazon. And, uh, yeah, I got to watch yeah. that at some point. It's uh, I've, I've heard it's awesome. All right. I have a couple more movies on my thing to watch or, or to talk about. Uh, first off, I wanted to uh, briefly mention a movie that I watched on Hulu that uh, came out a couple years ago. Uh, I thought it was pretty solid. Pretty really. Uh, I thought it was like, you know, not the best movie I ever saw, but it was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Which I, I know I'm selling okay. it really hard so far. <laughs> uh, but the movie's called Juliet Naked, uh, which is from 2018. And this movie uh, is one that I heard. I think Brian Sauer talk about on a pure cinema podcast a while back uh, as just a movie that he really enjoyed, like a discovery from 2018. And I remember I kind of remember mm-hmm. seeing like some stuff for it when it came out. But then it kind of just flew under the radar against all the other 2018 releases that I was watching at the time. And, you know, just never got around to it. Finally watched it. Pretty good. It basically it's about uh, this like alternative rock musician in the 90s who made one album called Juliet and uh, then essentially disappeared like his career. Like he's 
like it's not that his career tanked, but he just kind of disappeared from public life, never released a new album ever again. Uh, and that and that guy is played by Ethan Hawke, uh, who's like, you know, really channeling his like Ethan Hawkness for that kind of role, which is really great. <laughs> uh, and Chris O'Dowd, like now we're in present day 2018. Chris O'Dowd is like a super fan of this guy. Uh, and he's, a, he's a, somebody who's like obsessed with this album and listens to it all the time. And he has, you know, posters on the wall and like every single variation of the album that ever existed, you know, various different performances that were recorded and like, you know, you know, the small club in Tokyo or whatever. And like, you know, different eight track tapes and all that stuff. And he runs like a message board for like 200 <laughs> other obsessives with this artist. Uh, but they're like the only ones who basically remember this guy. Uh, and Rose Byrne, who I love, uh, she plays Chris O'Dowd's girlfriend, uh, and they are, have been drifting apart for years and she like hates hearing about this guy. Like it's, it's just so upsetting for her. Uh, and then eventually, uh, Chris O'Dowd ends up cheating on her. She leaves him and, uh, she ends up like corresponding with the artist, uh, who Chris O'Dowd is obsessed with. Uh, and he lives in America. They live in England. Um, but he's coming over to England to, uh, meet his granddaughter for the first time. Uh, and so they end up meeting up and they kind of start like a friendship that develops into sort of a relationship. Uh, I wouldn't say hijinks ensue. It's not really a hijinks kind of movie, um, <laughs> but you know, awkward relationship drama ensues, I guess, you know, it's, it's a, a relatively light fun movie. Uh, I think it has some interesting things to say about like the relationship of the art to the artist versus the relationship of the art to the fan uh, and that kind of thing, uh, which is pretty interesting. Cause you know, he like this guy who, uh, Ethan Hawke, he like doesn't like the album. He thinks that it's like, you know, a lot of overrated stuff. And Chris O'Dowd like has modeled his entire life on <laughs> that album. Wow. And they talk about it at a dinner scene and stuff like that. So there's some really interesting stuff happening in the movie. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of a pleasant way. It's it's you know, I, I wouldn't say like like we kind of describe with distraction. It's not like a kind of put on in the background while you're scrolling on your phone kind of movie. But uh, it's, you know, it's in the close. It's, it's like a step above that, basically. It's like, hey, you should watch this okay. and pay attention to it. It's, like, it's a good, lazy Saturday afternoon type of movie. Like, hey, this is a nice, pleasant time. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, Juliet Naked. It's on Hulu right now. I and mean, people uh, can watch it if they choose. I think you have uh, one more movie on your list to get through, right, Mike? Yes. Yes, I have one more movie. Okay. And it is about as far away as possible as you can get from a, this will be a pleasant Saturday afternoon um, <laughs> kind of movie. Uh, and that is 2014 in the U.S., I think 13 uh, worldwide or international yeah. or whatever. Hard to be a god. Is okay. the movie uh, directed by Alexi German, uh, who actually died before finishing it or before editing it or some. I don't know the whole story. Uh, I am very intrigued to know everything yeah. about this movie after watching it. And his his wife, who was a screenwriter uh, on the movie and his son, like finished it, like put it together okay. you know, or whatever. Uh, and released it. And this is a Russian three, a three hour Russian sci fi epic kind of deal uh so there's it's it was so ironic to me where i i don't know i remember seeing this on twitter or something somebody posted something about it like yeah. a thread and i was like wow this seems crazy insane i gotta watch it eventually and there's so many times where i'm like so i want to watch something on the criterion channel <sighs> i don't have time to watch a three-hour russian sci-fi epic um <laughs> uh and then and then uh, I decided to do that last night at 9 p.m <laughs> it's like uh, you know what as you do it's not on the crate it's not on Criterion, unfortunately. Um, it is available to rent on YouTube, though. Okay. Uh, so I rented it through there. Um, yeah, there's there's two Blu-rays of this. There's an Arrow version and a Kino Lorber version. Oh. Uh, the version on YouTube is the Kino... I mean, I assume they're the same because it's a new movie. Like, it's 2013. Yeah. The only thing I would guess is the special features because Arrow usually has a lot and Kino Lorber usually doesn't have any. Um, True. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the plot 
and I hesitate to say there is a plot because this is going to sound, I mean, this movie is incredible. I'm going to get that out of the way. This movie is amazing. Um, But the plot sounds like this is going to be the best fucking thing ever. This is set on a different planet. Uh, So we have discovered, you know, other planets, uh, except it's this culture is set in uh, is in the medieval period. Like it's on the verge of its renaissance as in the equivalent of the U.S. or the um, of Earth. So these scientists are sent there to like, you know, figure out what's going on. How come they're, you know, what's the what's the renaissance like here? They're being controlled by like this kind of king or whatever who's killing anyone that can read like a clamp down on technology. Like it's he's keeping the world in its middle middle ages because he's in in control you know um and it becomes you know know, sort of about that struggle and the role of the scientists and like we can help them you know all this stuff so that sounds amazing and epic and like there's going to be sci-fi intrigue but really this is just like a three-hour disgusting beautiful like slice of life movie about one of these scientist guys because they think they're gods because they're from the future and a different planet and shit you know like he's kind of treated like a god but everything is wet and muddy and disgusting and like <laughs> uh people are constantly like like you know snot rockets and like hawking loogies and like picking their noses and just doing like gross medieval peasant shit yeah <laughs> um, you know like it's it's just like everything's made of mud uh and this movie is fascinating because it's like an anti-movie like it is just i feel like it's it's like deliberately challenging what you think movies should be uh like because the 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 camera must be like handheld the whole movie um and there's always stuff if we're in interior like there's always just like stuff hanging like uh like chains or ropes and like meat curing and 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 like plants you know like uh herbs and stuff and like the guy like they'll just deliberately stand behind like a thing a coil of rope and like conversation happening <laughs> like and there's just a <laughs> coil of rope in the, like against the camera for like against the lens like we're just having a talk uh and and like they sort of acknowledge the camera like like it's sort of like that that kind of thing like when you see like um documentary or news footage in, in like you know um third world countries or something where mm-hmm. like the whole village will come out and like stand behind the guy and like walk up to the news the cameraman sure. uh like the villagers in this movie do that like okay. they'll come up and be like oh look what i got and they'll like hold stuff up to show the camera and sh- it's <laughs> it's wild like this movie is fucking nuts i don't know what's going on it it's it's like also half subtitled like it's got english subtitles but like there's a lot of additional dialogue like from those village people like the villagers and stuff like that are talking that has no subtitles really so it's like i don't like you're, you're just kind of like missing half of whatever's going being said in the scene um yeah it's just really fascinating and it's kind of like an experience like just I don't know if you're in the mood to just like have what you think movies can be challenged, I guess, in some weird way, (laughs) like try it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think our, our our, uh, friend of the show, Justin Liberty uh, had a comment on our review on uh, letterboxd where he said, this movie has enough grotesque, uh, grotesque faces in frame to make Fellini. Not sure what to do, uh, which I felt (laughs) like is just beautiful. Like everyone just looks so weird and and dirty and gross. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's it's, like, I finished watching it a couple hours ago. Uh, so like, I still have no idea what to think of this movie. Right. I don't know if I would ever watch it again, but I'm glad I did watch it. You know, okay. it's, it's, it's intense. Yeah. Nice. So that's hard to be a God. It's available to rent on YouTube. Uh, so definitely, definitely recommend it. Nice. If you're into having that experience, <laughs> you know, I almost watched that movie, uh, years ago. I think it was like maybe 2016, 2017. 
And, uh, you know, I th- there's a, a list on Letterboxd uh, called like random movie roulette. Where basically it's <laughs> okay. like it's it's like four or five thousand movies deep. And basically you go through go to random.org. It's like a random number generator. You, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, put in the number of movies there are. It selects a number for you. And the idea is you go to that number in the list and you watch that movie. Um, and so I kind of use that Amazing. in my uh, in my Netflix disc rotation, you know, because I, I have like stuff that I like want to watch. Like, hey, I want to watch like movies off the AFI list. or I want to watch like a pure cinema podcast pick or stuff. And I would throw in like a random movie roulette pick just to like you know mix things up or like pick something that like i wouldn't pick like normally kind of thing uh, and open myself up to new worlds uh and i landed i landed on hard to be a god and i put it in the queue i got the disc and there was just no point where i was like because i was so tired and sleep deprived (laughs) at that point in time because i had like kind of just started working mornings for the radio and like doing like waking up at 4 30 every morning and like i was just so exhausted by the time i would get home because like back then i was like you know, maybe not even getting home until like three or four because like I had other stuff to do throughout the day and like other work that had to be done. Uh, so mm-hmm. by the time I got home uh, and, you know, I was still living with my parents and stuff. So it was harder to just get sit down and watch a movie on my own because they weren't going to want to watch it. Uh, <laughs> like, no, it was it definitely was, not. It was basically I could never find the time to watch a uh, three hour uh, Russian slow paced, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I, th- I think black and white. It's black and white, right? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Black. So absolutely uh, beautiful. Uh, a three hour black and white Russian glacially paced sci-fi movie. I, I did not have the time to watch it. Uh, I w- like, I wish I did. I, I really wanted to, it looked awesome. And I just like, I could never find the time. And I was like, I think I had the disc for like four months and I was like, I like, I don't see a period in the future where I'm going to get to watch this. Uh, so I sent it back and got something else, probably like something stupid. Uh, you know, yeah. like, like some dumb comedy got like road trip <laughs> dude where's or whatever. my car <laughs> yeah dude where's my car <laughs> uh, or whatever but uh, yeah so that's uh, hard to be a god I'm glad you loved it uh, and I hope to watch it at some point uh, when I'm not sleep deprived because that, that, that sleep deprivation has not left uh, since <laughs> since <laughs> then uh, so that's the the one thing I'm very afraid of does it ever end that's the question like, <laughs> are you ever going to get enough sleep ever again I don't know now that you're back to work man I mean you had the, those nice three weeks or whatever to uh, uh Kind True. Of catch up uh, while you were furloughed. <laughs> uh, I've you become know. addicted to sleep, and now <laughs> I will regret its absence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the solid Fury Road reference. I liked it. Uh, You're welcome. All right. So I got one more on my list that uh, I wanted to throw out there, and this is a new release uh, from HBO, uh, which actually it was independently produced. It played at Sundance this past year, uh, back when we still had film festivals, and and uh, HBO <laughs> bought the rights, uh, and it aired on HBO back in April. Uh, it is called Bad Education. Please join me in welcoming to the stage our district superintendent and my friend, Frank Tassel. In Long Island, the town is only as good as its public schools. The better the school system, the higher the price tag on the homes. These are the best early decision numbers that we've ever seen. I wanted to make a difference. I got us all the way to number four, and I will get us to number one. Get us to first. That's all that matters. Hey, Frank. Yeah? I've been doing some digging. I'm concerned with what I found. Uh, which is the new movie directed by Corey Finley, who directed Thoroughbreds uh, with Anya Taylor-Joy and Olivia Cook and Ant Yelchin, uh, which we both liked a lot. You listed that movie in your top 10 of that year, uh, if yes. I recall. So, uh, yeah, I was pretty excited for this just based on that. That was his first movie. Wanted to see his follow up. And uh, this movie's very solid. It's uh, basically it's based on a true story of a, a New York superintendent, you know, I think in like Long Island or something uh, who gets caught up in an, in an embezzlement scheme. 
And so he's, you know, basically this like super well liked guy in the community and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, he's basically a very slick politician, says the right thing all the time. Uh, and Allison Janney works with him. Uh, he's played by Hugh Jackman, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that, but Hugh Jackman, <laughs> Allison Janney, uh, and Allison Janney kind of gets caught stealing money from the school. And so she, uh, her whole family basically goes down. And then Hugh Jackman's like on the way out, like he knows he's going to get caught also. So the, a lot of the movie is him trying to figure out how to not get caught. Meanwhile, there's a student who is, um, you know, kind of profiling the superintendent and trying to figure out like where all the money is going towards this new bridge that the school is supposed to be building and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's based on a true story that actually happened, I think, in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And yeah, really solid stuff. I think a pretty good, uh, I would say maybe dark comedy. There was like some darkly comic moments, but I think it's a relatively straightforward drama for the most part. Hugh Jackman delivering one of his best performances ever, I think, in this movie. I think he's great wow. uh, just playing all sides of this kind of crazy and like kind of slippery character uh Allison Janney's there and uh I've mentioned I think uh the girl who is the reporter she was one of the girls in Blockers and I'm blanking on what her name is right now but she Ooh. was like one of the highlights of Blockers she was really funny in that movie and uh she's not having to be funny here but she's very good in her role so yeah it's a bad education and it was kind of just nice to watch a new movie also <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's been a while uh I mean the last new movie I watched I guess was Portrait of a Lady on Fire uh, but even that's like a 2019 movie technically so uh bef- I think it was like Onward right. or something which was like early March was like the last 2020 movie I watched uh and so bad education it, it, it was two months later I've, I don't think I've ever gone two months without watching like a new a newly released movie. <laughs> It just hasn't happened. I'm shocked. I know it, it just feels very strange. And but there's no new movies coming out right now, except for like this and Extraction. Uh, so <laughs> there's that. Uh, there is actually I did want to watch um, and I haven't watched it yet because I don't have Apple TV Plus. But uh, they just put out a Beastie Boys documentary called The Beastie Boys Story, uh, which is supposed to be excellent. I've heard awesome things about it and I love the Beastie Boys. So I'm all about watching that movie. Uh, I just don't have Apple TV Plus. So I got to like figure out how to get that free trial or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's bad education. It's on HBO right now. And, uh, Mike, I'd recommend, uh, you check it out because I mean, you did like thoroughbreds a lot. So this uh, might be right up your alley. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does it have, I mean, as I assume it's kind of a similar feel that was like a very darkly uh, comedy horror thriller thing, sort of right. really the, drama. I mean, this uh, is like, you know, there's elements of that in this movie, but it's definitely more of a straightforward narrative and like stuff like, like it doesn't feel okay. like this is a much more polished movie than thoroughbreds is. I think, I think thoroughbreds is better. Right. I like thoroughbreds more. Um, but this is very solid too. You know, it's, it's good. And again, Hugh Jackman, excellent in this movie. He's really good. Nice. Um, but yes, that's bad education. And I believe that wraps things up for this week, Mike. Finally, uh, we've we been, reco- we've been recording collectively for like almost three hours now. So <laughs> this is, yeah, we, nice. we are approaching the runtime of hard to be a God. So we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're recording this after we just recorded our, uh, Jeff Goldblum episode too. That's why it's like when you listen to this episode, it's going to be like an hour long. Um, but when, <laughs> but just know that we have been podcasting collectively for a little bit longer than that. Uh, all right. <laughs> but, but it's so seamless. You won't even notice until we say it right now. You won't even know. Exactly. Uh, all right. So that wraps things up for this week. Mike, where can we find you online? You can find me at MD film blog on Twitter and letterboxd. And you can find me online at M Smith film blog on Twitter, Mike Smith film on letterboxd and radio Mike sandwich on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Mike, Mike go to the movies. Uh, don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, hit us up at Mike, Mike go to the movies, gmail.com or follow us at Mike and Mike pod on Twitter. And you can find the rest of our podcast on rapture press alongside the review zoo, a podcast about all kinds of geek news and stuff. Uh, so like we mentioned before for our next episode, introducing a new segment for the show it's called let's rank 
Got to get Kyle to work on a theme song for that. Uh, we're going to be counting down every single one of the Star Wars movies from worst to best, uh, which is something that should cause no online debate whatsoever. Right. I think that's a no, that's a fair <laughs> thing to say. Yeah. Uh, also, that won't include the uh, the animated Clone Wars movie, because that's not a real movie. Uh, and in the wow. meantime, shots fired. I do not stand by that statement. Have you seen the uh, the Clone Wars movie? I have not. Okay, fair enough. I saw it at the I saw it at a drive-in movie theater back in 2008. What? Yeah, it was a double feature with The Dark Knight. Uh, good times. Uh, I, I liked it nice. back then. I thought it was pretty good. I have not watched it since. I've actually been periodically kind of like just putting on episodes of The Clone Wars here and there, uh, which I've never really watched before. I did watch the first season like around the time it came out and then kind of fell off of it. Uh, and now I'm kind of rewatching the first season and hoping to power through it a little bit because I think this first season of the show is kind of rough. I've heard it gets better. And like, there's supposed to be some incredible star Wars arcs in the show. Uh, yeah. that I like, you know, the stuff with like Darth Maul and stuff that I've heard is great. And like Ahsoka is supposed to become like the best character ever or whatever. Um, but I also kind of want to catch up through it and like catch up through rebels just because like apparently every character in the Mandalorian season two is going to be, <laughs> is going to be somebody from the clone oh wars God. or whatever, uh, you know, or like at least Ahsoka is going to be in it. Yeah. played by Rosario Dawson. And they just mentioned like Katie Sackhoff just got cast in the Mandalorian season two, um, playing the character that she played in the Clone Wars at one point. Uh, so yeah. And also Boba Fett's in it now, apparently the, the Mandalorian. Why? Uh, Why? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm curious about it, you know, cause I, cause I'm like the fact that they got Tamora Morrison who played Jango Fett uh, to play Boba. Now uh, that's pretty cool. Like that's neat. But at the same time, like I, they you just brought back the emperor and I had to live through that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, we finally know. had something new and original, and yeah. now we don't. At yeah, all. I mean, who knows? Maybe I mean, it could just be like a small thing. Who knows? Who's to say? But yeah. uh, it could even just be a flashback. Like maybe Mandalorian Mando is like you know flashing back to one time when he and Boba hang, hung out, and that was it. Boba could still be dead. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> They're cra- throwing back beers at Moss Eisley or whatever. Who knows? Who's to say? Right. But uh, that we're, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking a lot about Star Wars next week. So you know, stay tuned for that. In the meantime, our Jeff Goldblum podcast is weekly. We just released our episode on Invasion of the Body Snatcher. Uh, which, uh, well, we we just recorded our episode on Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Ooh. as we just talked about, and uh, it will be released by the time you listen to this. And on the next one, we'll be talking his role as one of the leads in the one-season 1980 TV series Ten Speed and Brown Shoe, which is a great name for a TV show. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, all right, and that's the end of this week's episode of Mike's Might Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. 